the weak governance has led to uneven effects of digital transformations globally. It has endangered democracy, limited the agency of patients and communities, and increased health inequities. It has eroded trust and compromised human rights, including in the field of health. And this has been shown through the COVID-19 pandemic. So I, I wanted to ask you, how did you get to work on this topic at this commission? Well, how I got here would make for a really long story, but to make it relevant to today's interview, I can say that I have over 20 years of program experience in implementing international research, development, and re regeneration programs on behalf of multilateral, bilateral agencies, and also private donors. Before joining the commission, I was the director of finance and operations at ICS Integrare and had previously worked with UNFPA, WHO, FAO, and from NGOs such as SBF and MSF and PSF. With, uh, with Integrare, we delivered um, the State of the World's Midwifery Reports for UNFPA for two, the 2011 and 2014. These are very extensive reports on uh, uh, reproductive maternal and child health, child and newborn health. Um, we also um, published the UNFPA's High Burden Countries Initiative, the analysis of midwifery workforce in selected Arab countries, and the WHO was the workforce implications and universal health coverage. These are just a few of the research publications that I worked on directly. But uh, it was my work with the Lancet Special Series on Midwifery, which is funded by the Gates Foundation, and coupled with my experience in publications on health workforce and reproductive maternal, newborn, child and adolescent health, which brought me to the attention of the illustrious uh, Professor Ilona Kigbush. So Ilona invited me to coordinate and manage the Secretariat of the Commission. This was before, um, before discussions were finalized, even with the donors, to drive and ensure the delivery of the Commission report from inception to delivery. So of course, for me, uh, of particular interest to me was to expand not only my professional field and work in digital health, but and also delve into all the challenges and opportunities it brings to healthcare provision and systems and to improving health and well-being. And most importantly, my decision to take on the role was the opportunity to build side by side with Professor Ilona Kikwish and to put together the Secretariat and the Commission from scratch. Hello, and welcome to this episode of GD Hub Voices, the podcast where we discuss some of the latest health innovations and technologies designed to solve global health challenges. My name is Cleo Schwarzmann, and today we will be talking about the work of the Lancet and Financial Times Commission on Governing Health Futures 2030, Growing Up in a Digital World, with Afardita Bicici. Afardita is the Senior Coordinator at the Secretariat of the Commission. Welcome, Aferita, and thank you for joining me on this episode. Hello, Chloe, and thank you for inviting me. It's a great, great pleasure to be here, and I'm happy to share uh, the work of the Commission and the re recommendations of the report. So let's get into the Commission then right away. As you're speaking about building the Secretariat and the Commission, what, what exactly 
is this commission for our listeners that don't know about what a commission does? Just briefly, maybe. In a nutshell, uh, the a Lancet Commission is a group of independent experts. They are brought together, convened by the Lancet to assess the current status, to provide future direction on specific health-related topics. They work over the course of two to three years to develop recommendations to improve policy or practice. They are the, all the reports are subject to successful peer review from the Lancet, and then the Lancet, once it peer reviews, would publish the work of the commission. Our commission is called governing uh, our joint commission with the Financial Times is called the Governing uh, Health Futures 2030 Commission. We call it GH Futures 2030 for short. And it's the first time that we had a joint commission with the Lancet and Financial Times. It was established in 2019 and it's co-chaired by Prof Professor Ilona Kigbush and Dr. Anurag Agrawal uh, from Delhi, India. And we have uh, the opportunity to work with 17 experts which were selected and convened by the Lancet from different regions, disciplines, and they include a range of experts from scientists, academics, economists, and various decision makers. Maybe we can go a bit into the challenges that the Commission is aiming to tackle or aimed to tackle. Well, the Commission um, was created specifically to explore the ways that digital transformations are changing our health futures. And its particular focus is on how digital technologies, data and AI will impact young people's health and well-being. So our goal was to come up with a set of recommendations for how governments and recommendations involved with health and digitalization can strengthen the governance of digital technologies and data, and to accelerate universal health coverage and improve the health and well-being of children and youth. So, Afarita, you mentioned digital transformation. What does that mean for you? For the Commission specifically, we had to come up with an understanding of what we mean by digital transformations. We, mean, we can mean different things to different people. But for the Commission, different digital transformations are the multiple processes by which digital technologies and data collection are integrated into all areas of everyday life, including health, and the resulting changes that are brought about as a result. So the scope of the commission, it deliberately goes beyond a narrow technical view of digital health technologies and health data use, which represent only part of how digital transformations affect health and well-being now and how will they affect in the future. So we set out to look at the broader societal and governance questions, not the technology specifically itself, that emerge at the interface of digital and health transformations. So we were concerned with looking at digital technologies, which are evolving faster than the rules and the laws, policies that are supposed to control them. In health and healthcare, digital transformations are being pushed forward at an increasingly accelerated pace. And without the concern of their, the public purpose of their impact on health equity and human rights, it's about profit, it's about end without purpose. So the commission was particularly concerned about the consequences for young people who stand to inherit 
this, the governance systems that are being designed today. Now, as far as I understand, you've already done a lot of the work by publishing the report on the research that has been done in the Commission. Is that correct? On the contrary, the work of the Commission uh, stops, but the legacy of the report itself, once published, is to shine the light and bring attention to those very recommendations and key findings of the report. It is for all of us to take notice, for all stakeholders to take forward. So the focus of the report of the Commission was on, on young people and young people's health futures. Could you expand a little on how young people were involved in the creation of the report? Of course. Children and young people are identified as requiring particular attention to ensure that no one is left behind. And this is in both UHC and via SDG3. And the, the global population the youth under 25 is estimated to be around 39% of the, of the population. The guiding objectives of our commission was to strive for the integrated digital development that improves the health and well-being of children and young people in the digital world. So with along those lines and with that in mind, we have ensured that youth are involved at every step of the work of the commission from inception to um, to the advocacy and dissemination of the report itself. So for youth to truly have agency with respect to digital technologies, their user experience, they need to be enfranchised and empowered to participate, not just engage, not just to take a box, but in every step of the process, just to uh, continue with my previous thought. So the meaningful enfranchisement of youth was a central tenant of the Commission's work. The young people were not only the focus of the work, but also key partners in developing the report. They contributed to the report through participating in workshops, in consultations. We listened to them about digital health and how it should be better governed. We also try to better understand young people's views on digital health through big multi-country survey and focus groups, one with UNICEF and one with IFMSA. So, so far for the report, the youth team conducted uh, a global youth consultation with Wilton Park, and it brought together people, uh, young people from 23 youth networks and representing 22 countries. This consultation led to the co-creation of a youth statement and call for action that was published alongside the final report in October 2021. And the reason it was published alongside rather than incorporated into the report was to ensure that it was not diluted in any way and that would we have the full representation and words of the youth that created this call for action and youth statement. So. Um, besides being a key audience for our report, we also produced a special youth edition to explain the key messages and recommendations. The Commission created the GH Futures 2030 Youth Network as a platform to co-create and co-lead future research, advocacy and dissemination of the report. Would you, would you like to go into recommendations a little bit, so about the key findings of the report now that we've spoken about how it came to be, we can talk about what is recommended actually? Of course, I think that is um, what the report was created 
for the recommendations and the key findings. And uh, so we, in the report, the, the Commission argues that weak governance of digital transformations has undermined the potential for digital technologies to be used for the improvement of people's health and well-being. So governance is a, is a key issue here. Furthermore, the weak governance has led to uneven effects of digital transformations globally. It has endangered democracy, limited the agency of patients and communities, and increased health inequities. It has eroded trust and compromised human rights, including in the field of health. And this has been shown through the COVID-19 pandemic. And because of the fast-paced nature of digital transformation, the existing governance frameworks have tended to be reactive to innovations rather than proactive to anticipate future governance questions. If we view digital transformations of health through the lens of UHC, the Commission found that countries' approaches to digital health governance were lacking specifically in five areas. So most countries' digital health strategies are not focused on maximizing public value of digital health or data to tackle health challenges and improve health for all. Second, approaches to digital transformations in health and other areas are not sufficiently grounded in key principles. And these three principles for us are solidarity, human rights, equity, inclusion. These are key principles which could help to increase the public value of digital health and prevent technology and data from being used in harmful ways. Third, the views and needs of young people are almost never prioritized in digital health strategies, and young people are not adequately involved in policy or technology development, keeping in mind that they are to inherit these policies. Four, governments are not using their full powers to control the actions of technology companies so that they promote health, well-being, human rights, especially for young people. And fifth, we have that despite the global nature of the internet and digital transformations, governments are slow to cooperate with other countries in agreeing common global governance frameworks for digital health and health data. So based on these findings, are there any key areas of action that you recommend? Yes, yes, of course. Continuing from the previous recommendations and key findings, we have identified four uh, main areas for action. The, our first area would be decision makers for health professionals or researchers should not only consider but address digital technologies as increasingly important determinants of health. We should look at, secondly, as a whole of society efforts is required to build a governance architecture that creates trust in digital health. And this will be done by enfranchising patients, vulnerable groups, ensuring health and digital rights, and regulating powerful players in the digital health ecosystem. We also need a new approach to the collection and use of health data based on the concept of data solidarity, particularly with the aim of simultaneously protecting individual rights, promoting the public good potential of such data and building a culture of data justice and equity. And fourth, 
We want decision makers to invest in the enablers of digitally trans transformed health systems, a task which will require strong country ownership of digital health technologies and clear investment roadmaps to help prioritize those technologies that are most needed at different levels of digital health maturity. So what's next for the Commission now? The report itself was launched at uh, WHS in Berlin in October 2021. And since the year of the launch of the report, we have been focusing on disseminating the key findings and recommendations to different audiences. We have also been building on the GH Futures 2013 Youth Network and recruited a group of regional youth champions who um, help communicate our messages and share feedback and perspectives from youth in different regions and in different languages. Now we are focusing on translating the recommendations of the Commission into action and planning. And we are doing that by planning to transition into a digital transformation of Health Lab. The co-chairs of the Commission, uh, Professor Anurag and Professor Kigbush, have proposed to establish a multi-stakeholder and transdisciplinary digital transformations of Health Lab called DTH Lab. This lab will be the dynamic space for thinking, innovating, and designing solutions for better health futures. And of course, the function of the lab is to drive new ideas. And the lab will have a strong foundation of the work of the Lancet and FT Commission and the strength of the four institutional partners that are coming straight from the Commission work, which has CG based out of Canada, Ashoka University from India, Farm Access Foundation, a global organization, and GH Futures 2030 Commission Secretariat, together with a new partner based out of Germany, the Bertelsmann Foundation. We hope to establish us uh, as a leader and platform to drive innovation in health governance and policy and health system ch change. The lab will be hosted by Unige and uh, based at the campus Biotech. And this will give us an excellent opportunity to cooperate with other drivers and actors of the global digital health space, such as GD Hub, with whom we've worked previously, collaborated, and we will continue to do so. So um, thank you for these many uh, explanations on the work of the Financial Times and Lancet Commission. Um, uh, now that we're coming to a close, I, I wanted to ask you, what, what's the key message? What do you think everyone listening should know about the Commission and about our future in a digital world? I hope that the listeners will read the Commission report, or at least the executive summary. We also have information where we've uh, brought out only the key recommendations and the key recommendations and key find findings. And they will support our call for stronger governance of digital transformations so that we can achieve equitable health futures. And that is the word, the key word here, equitable health futures. But I hope they will, the listeners will also have time to consider how they can implement the Commission's recommendations in their community or through their professional position. And one of the most important lessons that we have learned is the inclusive approach to developing the report. 
So we, we took deliberate steps to create opportunities for different groups of people, especially young people in the case of our commission, to input into the development of the report. And I think this approach has helped enrich the content and ensure that the recommendations are relevant. Great, thank you. It's very interesting to hear what you learned. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to please consult the website of the Commission and look into all of the different formats that there are to understand and share the work that the Commission has done. And Afardita, I thank you so much for coming on this episode and sharing everything that you've done. I'm looking forward to collaborating with you more. Excellent. And thank you, Chloe, for your time, for your questions, very insightful questions, for offering me the opportunity to share with your listeners. And I do encourage them to visit our website to learn more about our work, the full report, the executive summaries in many, many different languages, plus the policy briefs, the research summaries. There's a wealth of information there. And more so, we welcome hearing from anyone who is interested in partnering with the new DTH lab, especially young people who might like to become involved with our youth network. So thank you for everything.